So as, uh, like everybody else, you turn the TV on this time of year, there's stuff that you try to flip the channel quick because you never know what you're going to encounter the minute you turn it. Uh, you know, we're in the season of Halloween where uh, everything all of a sudden is all about creepy, spooky, gory. And uh, it's gotten to the point, even with Nicholas, when he wants to watch something, even a show that I know is pretty sanguine, like, you know, uh, something on Discovery Channel, I have to watch the commercials because they'll scare you silly. And it plants those seeds of fear. And as many times as I've written things for uh, other places that I've worked for about Halloween and how it works and all that stuff, there's, there's one component that seems to catch people a little bit off guard that I think we need to focus on, and that is that the light shines in the dark places. All right? Uh, the John 1.5 reminds us the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When you put light in a dark place, the darkness does not overcome the light. The light always overcomes the darkness. So even this week when I was talking to somebody about they were going to go to Bush Gardens for the Hallow Scream, and they were having this conversation about, yeah, we got to go, but we got to wait till about 7.30. And I said, why? They said, because it has to be dark. It's not scary when it's not dark. It's stupid when it's not dark. Right? <laughs> and I thought to myself, there you go. The light shines in the dark places, and all of a sudden you see all the strings that are attached. The, the makeup isn't frightening when you realize it's, it's color crayon or magic marker on the costumes. It has to be dark. The, the things that they don't want you to see have to be hidden in order for you to be afraid. So if the light in our lives can change the darkness into the silly stuff, into the stupid stuff, into the things that don't have near the power when they're not dark, then we need to understand that that light is within us. If you've accepted Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, if you know him, you have the power of light. So what do you focus on is really the question. We watch the news, we watch TV, everything's gloom, doom, tragedy. Y'all remember the old hee-haw song? Gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark, depressive, excessive misery. Now you can tell I watched too much television when I was little, all right? But there, there was the focus on all the things that were horrible, harsh, and evil. There was no focus on the light. Have you ever been in a dark place and looked behind the flashlight? There's a reason it points in a direction. You don't typically go, all right? But with our faith, we often do. We know that the light is going to illuminate the way that we need to go. We know we need to focus on the Word of God, not what we see, feel, or somehow sense. Have you ever allowed your sensor to outwit the wisdom of God? I just know in my knower, I've got this creepy feeling. I just, I just, is that true discernment? If it's caused fear, it is not God. If it causes doubt, it is not God. The word of God and the voice of God is exceptionally clear. Who comes to kill, steal, and destroy? All right, that's the dark side, right? God comes to liberate, to heal, to enlighten, to preserve, to save, to give you hope. So if it provides hopelessness, worry, and fret, then is that God speaking to you? No, so it's a really easy litmus test. That if you look towards the light, you're going to see a way. If you're looking back here, you're probably going to hit your head on something. All right, so let's talk about Halloween for a second. All right? Now, we know the devil's got his thing. He, he loves the dark side. He loves nighttime. Uh, all the, the dark elements of things keep things hidden. 
Well, I could go on and on about the crazy people that I've interviewed in my career that love, love the devil, to put it in a weird way. The Satanist church and how they plan things and the things they do. And the one thing that has always been a real liberating moment to me was one interview where the lady talked about, hey, uh, yes, I'm a Satanist, but we have to plan our stuff. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I got to... I put... Hey, Mom, you're on speakerphone, so mute. All right, so... uh, She couldn't be here today, wanted to come, so that's our next best plan, all right? So so now everybody knows you're listening. All right. So uh, anyway, she was talking about how they had to plan a schedule out on Halloween. And their particular meeting group would meet at this exact time. And it would last for like three minutes. And then another group would meet at the end of that three minutes and so on. And they would schedule it all out. And finally, it occurred to me, duh, the devil is not omnipresent. God is omnipresent. The devil's on a schedule. God's on everybody's schedule. All right. So if he can't even manage that. Why on God's green earth are we letting him bump our heads on the dark places and not facing the light? He can't even be everywhere. But he has the illusion of being everywhere because he's in the dark places. And people that have not seen the light and don't accept the light continue to perpetuate the dark places. I don't know. Am I going too far too fast? But look, the pumpkin, right? Originally, it was created because you're supposed to keep... Creepy spirits away, right? You put a pumpkin on your doorstep, you're supposed to keep bad stuff away. But what I want you to draw your eyes to is the fact the pumpkin without light is nothing. Alright? So the pumpkin without a light bulb or, or a candle in it is a gourd. Okay? Alright, let's be really clear. So so I, I want to redeem the things that the devil is trying his best to make us freak out over. I no longer look at pumpkins and say, oh, that's supposed to keep evil spirits away. I look at a pumpkin and say, look, a useless vessel with a light in it is pretty cool. A useless vessel with a light in it can do some things. But light is critical. Halloween is a really good example of light. Do you all know the, the basic rule of Halloween, right? And what's the basic rule of Halloween? If the light's on... Candy is available, right? If the light's off, don't go knocking on the door, right? So how how is it that we get the principle of the gravitational pull of light on the darkest holiday, which is the only holiday we encourage people to go door to door to strangers? And how do we know it's okay to go? The light's on. They can have a witch hat on the thing, spider webs on the door, but the light's on, we're going in. Right? They can put crazy spiders in the yard made of garbage bags. The dog that might bite, but as you walk by the house, what do you say? The light's on! We gotta get candy! They're gonna give us something. There's something there for me. I'm drawn to the light. And then there are these folks. We all know them, right? And and Wade, uh, he's not here today, but I want to send a shout out to Wade. His mom used to do the best Halloween decorations in the neighborhood. All right, when I was little growing up. And she had the sounds going. You hear it going and the purple light on the doorstep. And all sorts of crazy stuff in the yard. But everything is saying, run, go away. Oh my gosh, scary skeletons, creepy things. But wait, the light's on. I'm going in. 
She had stuff all over the yard. The music was scary. You could hear it like from 12 houses away. The hair on the back of your neck would stand up. But she gave full-size candy bars. We are going in. But we're drawn to the light. The light draws us in. We're, it's funny. On this particular holiday, we illustrate the true meaning and essence of what God intended by light. Which is no matter what the obstacle, no matter what the illusion, no matter what it is that's trying to push you away from receiving what God has for you, run to the light. There's nothing going to get you between there and the light. But this is where a lot of us live. This is where we're at. The light's off. There's nothing welcoming about us sometimes. And I'm talking to myself too. We get busy. We got stuff going on. We've got grief in our hearts. We got our own struggles. Our light's off. And I'm not just talking about Halloween when you don't want to give out candy. And you bought the candy, but you ate it yourself. So you have to turn the light off. Let's just tell it like it is. <laughs> but we turn the light off. We turn the light off. And and in this particular holiday, as a Christian, as somebody coming to knock on my door, I need to have my light on just in general, right? But in terms of life, stepping outside of the metaphor of one day, we need to figure out how to turn our light on for other people. We need to figure out how to have that internal light on. It says you'll know them by the light in their eyes. Have you ever encountered somebody and you're like, I know they know Jesus. They just, something about them is different. They never said Jesus. They never offered to pray with me. But there was something about them. There was a kindness. There was just something about them. How they, they didn't overreact in Walmart when the lady rang the same thing up three times. They didn't pitch a fit. They just said, could we change that? Isn't it funny how just the smallest of things shows whether your light is on or off? First John 1 and uh, through 5 says... Uh, this is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. What does it mean when it says there is no darkness in him at all? There is nothing that God intends for your despise. There is nothing that God de- depends on or is intended to harm and hurt you. He wants to save, heal, deliver You know, and you look back at Genesis, and it talks about in the beginning, you know, and God created the darkness. He's very aware of what the darkness is. It was dark, but he wanted you to see the wonder of his creation, and it was immediately followed by light. He wanted you to know the contrast between dark and light. There is no darkness in him at all. God wants to help you, save you, heal you, deliver you empower you. So what do you focus on? What is it that keeps you from being able to receive the power of the light of God in your own life? That that Jesus light that's in you. You already know Jesus, many of you, as Lord and personal Savior. But what is it that stops just short of that light shining out of you as the vessel? I think a lot of us have come to the point that when all of a sudden we feel hope or whatever, when we sense that something good is coming, we see the light coming towards us, we start to fear it's a train. Is the headlight on the train? What's the next thing going to run me over? 
We don't see light as the liberator. We see light sometimes as, oh, well, now you're going to see all the dust in my house. Now you're going to see all the things I need to fix. Now you're going to see all the stuff that I should have done differently. Oh, well, here comes. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus used two powerful metaphors to describe his people. He calls us both salt and light. Salt speaks about that ingredient of influence of the gospel, while light refers to its direct impact. Think of salt like a a salt rub on something. It's abrasive. It has a bit of an abrasion to it. It can rub you the wrong way if you put it on a wound. So salt and light. We can can wound and and we can empower people and we can help people. We have all those capacities. And, And the light, meanwhile, on the other side, not only reveals what is wrong and false, but it helps to produce the righteous and true. When you can see what's the matter, you're more empowered to be able to do something about it. You're more empowered that, hey, Jesus, help me. Help me to be more like you. When Jesus called us salt and light, he was telling us that we were left in this world to influence it for the glory of God. We are to be salt to help stop the corruption in the world, and we are to be the light To help dispel the confusion that we find all around us. Both salt and light are miracles. It says in Matthew, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown on the ground and trampled underfoot. Basically, it's dirt. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives everyone in the house light. All right, we've always heard about the light and putting a a light under a bushel or whatever. But what it's trying to say is once you have experienced the light, once you've experienced the wholeness of God, once you've experienced the touch of God, you all remember, I certainly do, the day... I'm going to say, not the day I first believed, because I grew up going to church, hearing it from mom and daddy my whole life. But there was that moment when me, by myself, said, wow, not only do I believe it, but now I've had that experience that has just taken it to that next level. I own it now. It wasn't just a legacy. It's mine. And we all remember that day we first believed, that, that penetrating light that somehow lifted us out of sadness, darkness, depression, whatever it was. But it lifted us out and gave us hope. That same light that you have, once you have it, do you ever want to go back to where you were before you experienced it? That's what they're talking about, about not putting your light under a bushel. There's an intensity that comes with that light that says, hey, I'm here, I believe. I know you can see it. I'm not going to hide it. I'm okay with you seeing that I believe. I'm okay with you seeing that God has done some amazing things in my life and he can do them for you too. Let's think about that. It says don't put your light under a bushel. You're not hiding it. Here we go again. The gravitational pull of the light. He said you're a lamp on a hill. If you've ever been in in any of those books where you see the, the Middle East and they refer to, you know, the different hills and the layers of valleys and all this kind of mess. Well, if you put a light on a hill... It is an enormously bright light. It lights for miles, not just a little bit. You can see it for forever. Do you remember in World War II, they talked about, hey, uh, don't, don't smoke a cigarette if you're in a bunker. Because an airplane can see you. That little ember glow. 
can tell them where you're at. So imagine the power of the light we're talking about. The light on the hill. The one that's tended to be seen. The one that changes lives. Light conquers the darkness. Wherever, sorry, thought you'd appreciate that. (laughs) Wherever there is the least bit of light, darkness is forced to flee. You can be in the darkest place imaginable, and just a tiny match when lit has the power to drive away all oppressive darkness and uncertainty. Isn't it funny when people are, are having a really hard time, how do they describe it? Dark. It's just a dark time in my life right now. It's dark. They're referring to the their heart is sad. Life is complicated. Things are overwhelming. It's a dark place. But there is a light that can help you with those dark places. So, but I want to ask you today, the same question that I have to ask myself on a daily basis, how is your light? It's funny, I had a light go out, light bulb go out in the living room, and it's amazing how dark the living room is when the light bulb goes out. And it's all—it's an immediate need to go to the store. Have you ever noticed when you need a light bulb, you're even willing to pay more than you'd ever pay for a light bulb because you need the light bulb. I mean, I'm serious. I found that in town. I didn't want to drive all the way up the road, only had a few minutes, needed a light bulb. So you end up at a different place than you normally go, and you go, holy moly, light bulbs are expensive. But the need was there because the dark was irritating. We needed light. The same is true in our own lives as we walk with Jesus. How is the light? Have you you plugged into the source? Have you plugged in? Is your your light bulb bright? That doesn't mean that, that every five minutes you're going around going, do you know Jesus? But what I'm asking is, as the light shines in your life, how do you handle situations? How, what do people see when they see you under stress? I'll be honest with you. Some days I fail that one pretty miserably. Some days I'm doing pretty good. But that's why there's newness every day. There's grace every day. It's not a call to perfection by any stretch of the word, but it's a call to the willingness to say, you know, how I'd like to handle this, but how the light would like to handle this is this way. The light within me, the Jesus I know, says this is how you need to handle this. The things you'd love to say you don't and the things you need to say you do. Do any of us experience that other than me? That there's that governor between... And you have to be really careful. Because sometimes, you know, uh, Jesus lives in my heart. But my brain wants to outthink him. And I've always been... I remember I met an old man once and he said, Always let those thoughts drop a foot. Let it go through that that filter of the heart knowledge that you have of what would Jesus do. The thing we've turned into a kitschy phrase on a bracelet is a real process. What would Jesus do? How would he handle this? And often it is contrary to the thing we'd love to say or do. But you know what's interesting is that when you follow that process and you do what you feel in your heart you should do, You typically don't have to apologize for it afterwards. But when you follow this and you let it out, mark my words, in a matter of minutes, you will want to suck it back in because your heart will be hardened to the point that, oh my gosh, what did I do? Your heart will hurt and you'll have to apologize or leave that chasm between people. 
So we have to check our light, check the source. Scripture says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I've told this story many times, and I think because it really bothered me so much. Was at the garage sale, the guy that put his Bible up for sale. It was a dollar. Leather-bound, big, giant, leather-bound Bible. And when I asked him why was he selling it, his response was, I've read it. The reason the lamp is into your feet and the light into your path is because I want to ask you something. Are you on the same path today you were 10 years ago? Are you on the same path today you were a year ago? I'm going to make a stretch. The same path today you were last Sunday? Some of you have had some pretty good breakthroughs in the past week. And I'm going to venture to say I'm probably not on the same path I was yesterday while I was trying to figure out how to cut down a tree with a object that I don't know how to operate. (laughs) But the reason that it's the lamp into your feet and the light into your path is that your path is ever-changing. Your life is ever-changing. The people coming in and out of your life is ever-changing. And have you ever watched somebody was in in a big hurry, you see these videos on YouTube all the time, and they're looking at where they need to go, and they trip off a huge curb. They take a header in a puddle or something bad happens right there. The thing that was most dangerous to them wasn't where they were headed. It was where they were going. But they were so busy getting there that they missed the two-foot step off. And that the danger was actually right in front of them. It was the next step. Not a mile away. It was the next step. So that lamp unto your feet is the next step. We need to have a dependency on God in our lives for the next step. Not the big step, but the next step. The big steps are obvious. We all pray about the big stuff. It's nothing puts you on your knees quicker than a weird medical report or a bad financial report or a job crisis. The big stuff puts you on your knees quick. But I want to challenge you. The little stuff. The lamp unto your feet. Do you know how much more trust you're going to have on the big stuff if you're dependent on the little stuff? I know it sounds ridiculous, but every day I can honestly say, God, you know, help me to to get to work on time, help the traffic to be good. All these little things that are everyday impact. Help Nicholas to have a good day at school. All those things that are just the little steps of everyday life. Even to the point of you driving a parking lot at Christmas and you're praying, Lord, help me find a parking space. And I'm not talking sacrilege, I'm talking dependence. I feel like if God cares about me, and I know he does, he cares about all the little stuff just as much as he does the big stuff. He wants to, he is constantly, I'm amazed, he always wants to prove himself faithful. He's already proven that time and time again. But he knows that we dim a bit some days. So he's constantly infused. see, here you go, there you go. As I have a friend, the squire up in New York, he writes a book called God Winks. And he's always talking about those little things that happen. And that's what he calls them, the God Wink. The one where it's like, Lord, man, I really need a... Like yesterday, my, my brother was out of town and, and uh, me and Nicholas were trying to trim up the yard and cut the grass or whatever. And then out of the blue, guy from across the street who was like a teenage guy that was cutting grass, he came over and said, let me help. The, the work all of a sudden was hacked. And that was a God wink. God knew in my heart, I'm going, Lord Jesus, I am just too tired to do this. And, you know, the grass cutter won't start. you got to hit it 14 times. It's funny when you get an instruction that says, push the thing 14 times before you try to start it. I'm thinking, 
maybe something needs to be fixed. Shouldn't that be maybe one, two? <laughs> you know, as again, girls and grass cutters, we don't we don't often do well, but but nonetheless, uh, the lamp into your feet and the light into your path. God wants to do that for you every day, in every instance. He 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 has the ability to light the heavens. It is not his lack of capacity to provide light as much as it is his wanting you to have an intimate relationship with the light. That's why it's the lamp unto your feet. And each one of our feet gets a lamp. Could he light the whole place up? Absolutely. But each of us are called and moving in different directions. He wants our own personal connection with that light. Again, so how's your light? There are 63, basically, that was a low estimate, 63 million unchurched Christians today. Because somebody got hurt along the way. See, when we hurt each other, if you're not secure in your light source, if you're not connected directly to the light, if you don't have the lamp unto your feet that's your light personal, then when we all do stupid things to each other, you interrupt the connection with the light. People begin to blame God for us. It's like that old Rudy movie, my favorite quote of all time in a movie. The priest sits down with Rudy and he says, two things I'm sure of, son, there is a God and I'm not him. That's where we need to be. There is a God. I am not him, but I am dependent on him. And I am fallible and I mess up and I sin and God forgives me. And I try to do better next time. But we have to be mindful of the broken people in the world that we're dealing with who've had an interaction that completely not only destroyed a moment, but destroyed their connection to the light. That's why each and every one of us needs to be secure in our own personal connection. There's nothing any of you will do to me that will disconnect me from God. There's nothing that I should be able to do to any of you or say or, or not say that will disrupt your connection to the light. You have to get to that secure place where there's no one who can interrupt that connection. It's not as hard a place to get to as you think, but every week I encounter somebody who will say, while well, I tried this church out last Sunday, do you know that no one spoke to me when I came in the door? I mean, there's these snapping. Nobody spoke to me, I don't think I'm going back. But then you ask them, well, how was the message? Oh, the message was good, but that person didn't talk to me at the door. You missed the connection to the light. Are you going because you want someone to acknowledge you? Or are you going because of who you want to acknowledge? I can tell you, there are days when I want to sleep in. But I get up out of the respect for who God is and who I want him to be in my life. And the fact that I need him on a daily basis. If I walk in this room and it isn't but one person standing here but me, I know I came for the right reason. I love y'all. I'm glad to see you. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy the fellowship. But the fact is, on a daily basis, I need the light bulb not to be broken. I need my connection to the light to be secure. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The unfolding. Fancy Greek way of saying, open the book. Open the book. Let it speak to you. And it's encouraging. It gives understanding to the simple. Now, is that saying, oh, well, simple is kind of a bad word these days. Oh, are you trying to tell me that I'm incapable of understanding? I think some days, yes, we are. But God will make it clear to us. 
You don't have to go to the theological seminary to understand God's word. It will speak to your heart. Have you ever been drawn to a passage that you've read all your life? Like I had to preach my uncle's funeral. It's funny, when I became a chaplain, I didn't realize that I had become the, the you know, the, the funeral director. But uh, I've done so many since. And uh, I, don't get me wrong, I don't mind doing it, but there's something exceptionally emotional about doing somebody you know. But the understanding of the simple, I remember I was, I was my uncle in Charlottesville, and I was praying about what to do. And God said, 23rd Psalm. And I'm like, God, everybody does the 23rd Psalm. We all know the 23rd. And he said, read it again. And I got hung on, though I walked through. I would read that Psalm my whole life. That's one of those first top 10 things you learned at Trinity when you're trying to check off the boxes was 23rd Psalm. Got to stand in church and say it. All right. I got it. I know it. Though I walk through, the word through left off the page to me. Through. You're not lingering. Though I walk through the valley and shadow of death. There's a passage. There's a way. There's a light forward. You're going through. There's something on the other side. You're not going to linger. We're all sad. They've moved on. If they know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, this is a transition day. Not a depressing day. The sadness is on this side because we didn't follow the light with them. We stayed here. Though I walked through. But when you're understanding to the simple, it was simple. It was a little word that I had read for more than 40 years and skipped over because it was something I'd learned. And it was just like one of these kind of things like saying the Pledge of Allegiance. You're not really stopping to think about the words you're saying anymore because you know it. Oh, I know that. I remember that. He will help you to understand. So if you're seeking and you're searching and you're just saying, Lord, I don't know. And I'll be honest with you. If you're just at that point, I don't even know where to start. Open the book. It's the best place to start. Just open it. Start there. Start there. God will meet you where you are. Jesus said to his people, his people are the light of the world. You should, our presence in the darkness, it puts darkness to flight. It should also cause the world to be a more colorful and beautiful place. Did you know that without light, there is no color? That's one of those basic art class things, you know, the color, no color. Anyway, without, without light, there's no color. There is nothing like meeting a Christian who's reflecting the light of the Savior. That person has that ray of light that comes in a dark place. It's a thing of beauty in a drab world. This is what the Bible teaches us that every believer ought to be. When you walk into a bad situation, you're that ray of hope. You have something comforting to say. No matter what visually you see, there is a comfort from knowing Jesus as Lord and personal Savior that allows you to have a word in season. It's like you see the Cox communication one where the guy walks up to the guy in the back of the truck. Oh, you're my new neighbor? Yeah, I'm getting Cox today. Well, good luck with that. The guy has nothing good to say. He goes, oh, yeah, they said they'd be here. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, they'll probably be here tomorrow. And the truck pulls up, and he goes, oh, they're here. And what, the guy can't stand it. So what does he say? Well, you got crabgrass. <laughs> he didn't have, he wasn't a light in a dark place. It doesn't take a whole lot of thought to be kind in a miserable world. The world is making it really easy for us to stand out. Please and thank you, our door openers. People don't expect it. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Like I tell Nicholas all the time, be, start with polite. 
start with polite. Politeness has been discarded. Kindness is somehow weak. We can be the light of the world as we're called to be by a simple act of kindness. Is your light on? You're having a bad day. You're in a long line at the supermarket. The lady behind the counter is, is on her cell phone doing this while she's ringing you up. That's the reason it's taken so long. Do you give her the evil eye that says, get off the phone? <laughs> or do you say, hey, let me help you all bag this for you? Because you know, coming down the road, if she's doing that to everybody, nine-tenths of the people behind you are probably going to tell the manager or leave something on Facebook. Boy, that was ridiculous. It is no problem pointing out the bad stuff. People love to do that. Find a way to be kind to people who don't deserve it. And your light will shine bright. Light is life. You impart life to someone. You don't know what's going on with the lady on the phone. You don't know what's happening in her life. You can anticipate what's going to happen based on the response you see from everybody else. Life is hard. You can see it coming. Be the light. Impart life to her. Get in her face. I, I love Nicholas for the fact that when he is around people who are, are handicapped or in a wheelchair, he has this innate ability to just go up to somebody and get in their face. Hey, how you doing? He wants them to see that he sees them, that he's not afraid of whatever their malady is. He's not afraid to touch them. He's not afraid to say hello, but he wants them to see him, talk to him. That is imparting life. You are imparting life to someone when you're kind to them, when they really are kind of intimidating. You walk into a hospital setting and you see all this stuff going on and machines happening and all these things. It is an intimidating environment. But you walk up to somebody and say, I'm praying for you. I know God is going to take care of you. You may get the, how are you so sure? Because he takes care of me. And I'm probably a whole lot more complicated than you. <laughs> you impart life. You impart hope. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be willing to speak life. Lots of words. Here we go. The purpose of light. Jesus tells us about the two purposes of light that he has placed within our hearts. It is to be a witness to the lost. When lost people see the light of Jesus shining through our lives, those of those who believe, they'll take notice. They notice there's something. I've had people say to me, well, there's something different about you. You've all experienced it. Well, you're so nice. Those other people weren't very nice. You're awful kind. You stand out. Now, we all have works, but Jesus here mentioned good works. What are good works? Good works are works motivated by love, carried out in the power of the Holy Spirit, and performed for the glory of God. It is not about me. I don't need to go, to go outside and say, hey, I was nice to the lady in the counter. Woo, woo. It is not about me. Good works are motivated by love, carried out in the power of the Holy Spirit. You will have the ability to say and do things that seem really outside of your box because of the power of the Holy Spirit operating in you. Your willingness to be sensitive to that moment where something needed to be said that was light. Something needed to be imparted that was hope. And then you're performing to the glory of God. You're saying in your heart, God, you know, I really did not want to do that, but I'm glad I went back and did it. Thank you. I hope I honored you by doing that. It was raining. I really didn't want to get wet, but I stopped and went and helped somebody with those bags. 
because I felt you tell me to do it. Here's what's really cool about listening to the Lord's little compulsion, little angst. I don't even know how to describe it. Those little moments where you go, okay. Do you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Is that on the way in, there's an uncertainty. And on the way out, there's a joy. And the more you listen and are willing, the more you hear that you can do. The more you do, the happier you are. All of a sudden, there's this cycle going on where you're constantly looking for that. It's kind of like I love to ride roller coasters, but I only ride them in the front seat. Two reasons. It's really fun, and if you're going to go, go first. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so, you know, anyway. But uh, there's you, you seek after that, that, that rush that comes from that ride. Well, there is an adrenaline rush that comes with listening to the Lord and going, well, you know, okay, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. And then you do it, and then there's the, what comes back as your reward, that, that great feeling that comes with, I listen. And to see somebody look at you and go, oh my gosh, thank you. You realize, wow, I have just been a fulfillment of what God called us to be, which is a light in this world. And it took about three minutes. I'm a little wet, but that's okay. I feel really good. I'm happy that I listened. Do you all understand what I'm saying? Have you experienced that? Do you know what I'm talking about? That, that moment. Well, as I yield to Jesus and he lives his life through me, I prove to the world that my profession of faith is real. James reminded us that as we yield and live and we say, okay, Jesus, what would you have me to do today? Well, how would you have me respond? As your connection is driven by an understanding of what he would expect or do. And then you begin to imitate that. You are proving I, I not only do I believe it, but I live it. Jesus Christ really does possess the power to transform a broken life into a thing of immense beauty. No matter what you have been through, that is light for someone else. The horrible things that I've been through in my life have been turned into testimonies for me to minister to others. God will give you the people along the way to be able to redeem the things you have experienced to the hope of someone yet to experience them fully. Don't cast those aside. Don't take them in condemnation. Don't say, well, I'm separated from the light because this has happened to me. The blood of Jesus covers all of those things. You are made new. But you still remember them. You remember how it felt. You remember the heartbreak. You remember the sickness. Not because God has not saved and redeemed you from it, but so that you can then impart hope to someone else. Look how far God has helped me. Look what God has done for me. Look where I'm at now. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not where I was. Now let me help you understand that it's not hopeless for you either. Because if God can help me, he can certainly help you. Just as a light does not exist to call attention to itself, but to draw attention to the things it illuminates, our witness does not magnify what we've done. Our testimony is about a great God who loved us and saved us, even though we didn't deserve it. Our purpose is not to make people look at what we do and say, wow, man, what a great Christian. Nope. We want them to see and say, they serve a great God. I'd like to know him too. When we're redirecting, I went through this. 
I was sitting, I had the mammogram last week, and I was sitting in the, the room, and the lady sitting next to me, you know, it's, guys, you don't understand this, but when you go for a mammogram, it pretty much starts with, okay, put on this gown that is really intimidating, and go sit in another room. And they put big, comfortable chairs in there, because that's supposed to make you feel better about the fact that everything is somewhere else. All right, so I'm sitting there, with the, and this room full of women, and this lady had had a mammogram, and she came in and sat down next to me. And she was just wringing her hands. And you know how you got that, I could feel God about to say something, and I'm thinking, well, God, you know, it's really not a private moment. There are lots of people sitting here. You got HIPAA, all these forms you sign, and I was supposed to talk. Finally, I just looked at her and I said, you all right? She said, no. I said, well, what's going on? You, you want to talk about it? She said, I, I don't know what to do. Not, they, they think they saw something. They think they saw something. Her imagination, my mom had this, my grandmother had this, my this had that. She had this whole legacy all figured out. She'd already done the done the math. She'd figured out her propensity to have something horrible. She and, and now they want to do this next thing. I need to go to work. I only asked for two hours off, and now i got to stay here. They want to do this next thing. And I looked at her and I said, well, look, would it bother you if I prayed for you? I said, I realize, you know, I, I try to be as politically correct as I can because I don't want to put people on the spot in a bad situation. I said, if it's all right with you, I, I'm going to... I'm going to pray for you. And she looked at me and she said, Oh, it is more than all right with me if you pray for me. We underestimate sometimes the fact that people are longing for somebody just to kick the door in and say, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you right now. Everything is going to be all right. No matter what the diagnosis or the prognosis, God has authority over all of those things. So that's the prayer we're praying today. We're not praying based on speculation. We're not praying based on the things in the dark, the things we're afraid of, the things we think could happen. But we're going to pray about a God, with God about something we know can be done. God heals, delivers, saves, gives us peace that surpasses understanding in crazy situations. That's who we need to tap into. And you need to go into this next level of the test with an understanding you're not alone. God is with you. Don't you leave him in the waiting room. Take him with you. It was funny. I'm still sitting there waiting. She comes back in. It was nothing. Isn't that like the devil? Get you all wound around the axle. You're about to throw everything under the bus. And then you're relieved. Thank you, Jesus. It It could have easily been something. But the point is, somewhere in that process, realizing you're not alone. You are not alone in anything that you do. There's a light that goes with you. This is the kind of believer God desires for all of us to be. If you were to be really honest today, would you have to confess that maybe your light wasn't as bright as it used to be or should be? We're all in that situation, maybe. Maybe our heart is like those old camping lanterns. They would get soot on the inside of the glass, and they just wouldn't shine like they used to. But then when you cleaned up that inside of the glass again, it was bright. We come here every Sunday and we say, hey, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, let's get that straight. And that today won't be any different. But I want to ask you right now, that light on the inside, is it dulled a bit? Has life tainted you a smidgen? You've experienced too much. You know too much. You've encountered some crazy people. You've been disappointed a little bit somewhere along the way. Has the light been dimmed by the dirt on the glass? The power of God has not changed, but our expectations of him perhaps have. Time to clean the glass. God has spoken to you. Has he spoken to you about your own testimony? And we, everyone in here, have one. 
Are you a light for Jesus? Could you be doing better? What's holding you back? What haven't you forgiven yourself for? What what is there that's dimmed the glass ever so slightly? You know, it's, it's funny when you walk with a candle in the wind, you walk like this to protect it from the breeze blowing it out. But the light that's in your life that Jesus imparted to you, the flame does not extinguish with the wind of chaos. So I have this friend who did this poem thing on the power of light. And uh, it's something I'd like for you guys to watch. Just a moment in the fullness of time, into a world of darkness came a light that would shine. An infant hope and a desperate hour, clothed in secrecy, void of power, hunted by a king, assault by the wise, heaven rejoiced, darkness despised, tempted, tested, healing divine, yet through it all. The light would still shine. Growing in stature, full of truth and grace, the light appears in the most unlikely place. Rejected by others, they felt the embrace. Bitter with a sinner, a rendezvous at night, in the midst of a storm with a boat full of fright. A man of a tree, a child on a knee, a captive set free. Broken and battered, wounded and shattered, fractured and tattered, their lives really did matter. Yes, through it all, the light would still shine. Threatened by change, exposed by acceptance, darkness attacks with lies and deception. Blasphemer, glutton, sinner, liar. As the enemy speaks lower, love stands higher, higher and deeper, longer and wider, healer, friend, teacher, provider. Yes, through it all, the light would still shine. Religion unmasked, hypocrites taken to task, answers pondered, questions asked. Which is the greatest? Who is my neighbor? How should we pray? Who does God favor? Stories with truth, uncommon, uncouth. Forgive and let go, not too for Blessed are the weak, turn the other cheek. Find when you seek, forget not the weak. Geese and trees, seeds and wheat, pearls and coins, hands and feet. Law fulfilled, love complete. Yes, for all, the light will still shine. At just the right moment, in the fullness of time, into a world of darkness, in a light that still shines. We are the light that still shines. We each have a our own brightness to add. <laughs>
Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he said, that light he has imparted to each one of us. What are you going to do with your light? I was thinking about maybe what I intend to do with mine. And again, I was brought back to days way back in Trinity and that song that we sang every Sunday. I don't know if you remember it. But there was a definitive purpose. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And now as an adult, it kind of takes on a different edge because now I'm determined. I'm irritated at the devil that he tries to steal, kill, and destroy. And we have to fight him every day. But it really has less to do with me battling the devil and more to do with me embracing the light. Knowing that in the light, his, his strength is diminished. Because he deals with the presumption of power. Where we live with the almighty power. So, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Are you going to hide it under a bushel? What would we say as kids? We'd go, no! We love that part. No! I'm going to let it shine. It, got, it gave me a chance to yell at church. This little, are you going to hide it under a bushel? No! I'm going to let it shine. Are you going to let it shine is my question today. I won't let Satan put it out. I'm deciding today he doesn't get to put it out. My light is mine. Back off. Won't let Satan put it out. I'm going to let it shine. We're going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Every place you go to work, everywhere you drive, everybody you encounter, let it shine. Find a way to let it shine. You are fulfilling the purpose of God in your life in those intimate moments of just interaction. Let it shine. Determine. Be like the kid, the 12-year-old, the 10-year-old that's learning this song today. Am I going to hide it? No. I need it too much. I'm not hiding it. And that's why even tomorrow with the trick-or-treat, I'm not focused on the pumpkin. I'm looking at the light inside. And that's where we need to be. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, just to, to stand here and testify, God, that you are my Lord and personal Savior, and I depend on you every day. And God, whatever's in my own lantern, wipe it off because I want the light to be bright. And I pray over everyone here today. We've all had things go on in our lives. We've all had situations, stuff that has happened that has made us look at things differently. I pray, God, that you just begin to clean the lens, Lord Jesus. Help us to put, us to put those things aside. And Lord, to know you deeply, more intimately, to understand that you care for us and that that light that shines from the inside, God, illuminates all the goodness that you want to be for us. Help us, God, to receive you and accept you. If anyone is here today, Lord, who says, you know, I just don't know. If I ask the question, do you know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior? When I had to put a percentage on it, zero to 100, where would you be? If you answered that question today and you're anywhere below 100%, then today's the day to change that. Because that decision is a personal decision. It is a permanent decision. It is the decision that will change your life forever and change your eternity forever. And all it takes is a simple utterance, Lord Jesus, please come into my life. Please forgive me for my sin. Help me, Lord God, to know you as my personal Savior. Help me, Jesus, to become a vessel of light. Help me, God, to understand you love me so much that you died on a cross, that you rose from the dead, and as the tomb cracked open and the light emerged, you weren't there. You rose from the dead. You conquered evil. You conquered death. And now you're making me a conqueror today. Lord God, we love you and we need you. Thank you, Jesus, 
for taking such good care of all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Excellent.